Welcome to the Retire Right Podcast with Larry Heller. You deserve complete financial advice. There's no acceptable alternative if you want a plan to live well and on your terms. Complete financial advice equals complete peace of mind. Now, let's get into this week's podcast episode. Hello and welcome to the latest podcast with Larry Heller. Today we're talking about the five must areas that you have to include when doing your personal finance mid-year checklist. Larry, let's take us through those five, would you? Sure. So the first one is going to be retirement planning. Second one is taxes, followed by investments, and then distribution to your heirs and legal documents, and finally, insurance reviews. So those are the five that I think cover a, a broad area of items that you should be looking at. That sounds great. Where are we starting? Let's start with retirement planning. So, you know, we're, we're more than halfway through the through the year. So I always think this is a good time, you know, to do a checklist and to check in on some of these items. And, and the first one is, you know, your 401k contributions. And what I find is, you know, people, especially younger people, you know, they put in the 401k if they're not maximizing yet. You need to find ways of being able to increase your contribution. And this year, with the new tax law, many of you may be paying less taxes, So, which we're going to talk about in a few minutes on my second item. But now could be a time where you take those savings and you increase the 401k contribution. Or perhaps this year you got a salary bump, and now's the time to, uh, to increase that, even if it's a little bit. And it is just adding a little bit to the your savings. That's great. And what I say is try to add some to the to the savings. You can always change it the next paycheck. What we found is once you start putting the savings away, your lifestyle and your cost of living kind of adjusts to it. So the first thing is you know looking to increase the contributions to your 401k, and then as you increase it and you're lucky enough to, to be at the max, you should make sure that you are doing the max and you don't fall you don't fall short. And then are you on track? And if you're not on track to do the max, increasing the amounts now in each paycheck between now and the end of the year. Just so everyone should know, the maximum amount this year is 18500 and if you're over age 50, it's another 6,000 for 24,500. So see how much you've put in year to date. See if you can, if you're on track with the amounts you're gonna put in for the remaining payrolls of the year. And if you're not at that max, or you're gonna come up a few dollars short because you didn't adjust it from last year, adjust it now. So the third item under retirement planning, especially is for those out there that are, that are self-employed. And there are so many different types of retirement plans if you're self-employed. And if you're thinking about not only putting one in for this year, but putting one in for next year, now's the time to start thinking about it. Because some of the retirement plans that you're going to put in place, such as possibly a 401k safe harbor, need to be set up and done by the end of the third quarter so you have enough time to notify participants for 2018 or 2019. And if you're having a very good year this year, you may want to talk to 
your wealth manager or your investment advisor about different types of retirement plans, such as a cash balance plan where you can put a lot of money away, much more than the typical 401k numbers or the, even the profit sharing numbers. So looking at the different types of retirement plans and being able to maximize your tax deductions is a great time to look at this now so you're not kind of rushed at the end of the year. And the last one is really more kind of a big picture item. You know, as we go through the years, I can't believe it's 2018 already. I still think we're crossing over into the new 2000s. How much do you have to put away each year in order to reach your retirement goals? So kind of look at the big picture, look at where you want to be X years down the road. And if especially if you're getting close within five years, it's even more important now to look at that number that you want to be at and look at the total savings that you need to do and trying to figure out ways that if you're not on track, how you can get on track. So those are the, the, the four items that, that I think would be great to look at your checklist and, and do on the retirement planning. Larry, one of the things that you said earlier was something everybody would like, and that's salary bump. Uh, I'd, I'd love to hear that. But that also brings up new taxes, new tax issues. Can you touch on those? Sure. So everyone at this point understands that we had a new tax law that came out last year. And we're still kind of going through some of the changes and how that's going to affect you for 2018. So now is a great time to kind of look at some of these and see how they were going to impact you and make some adjustments. The first one, it has to do with your withholding. Since the, the tax law came in really right at the end of 2017 for 2018, a lot of the withholding tables weren't adjusted. And if you are paying estimated taxes, you may still be paying the same estimated taxes based upon your 2017 earnings and your 2017 deductions. So now as that has changed, you may you may want to kind of look at that and see how you can adjust your just your taxes. Um, last year, I think there was 112 million flyer filers had refunds. In, two, in, in 2017. The average amount, believe it or not, was $2,900. So if you're due for a big refund, now would be a great time to kind of look at that. And like I mentioned in the previous checklist item, 401k savings, instead of waiting to the end of the year and having the government give you an interest-free loan, which you spend all at once, you can increase your amount to your 401k for that additional tax savings there. So one, if you're going to have a refund, great time to look at this. And more importantly, if you're going to have a shortage, you wanna see if you need to increase your withholdings, increase your estimated payments. So there's no surprises come next April when the government says, okay, you owe more You owe more money. Now jump ahead a little bit. So the the, the, the standard deduction has increased and a lot of the itemized deductions have gone away. So before where you may have not able to deduct as much, now if you're married, it's a $24,000 standard deduction and the tax brackets are lower. So there is a chance that you're gonna be paying, paying lower taxes. However, on the flip side, 
you know, if you live in a high, higher tax state, such as I do here in New York, your state and local and property taxes are capped at $10,000. So if you have paying a lot in state taxes and have a piece of property or numerous piece of properties where your property tax is more than 10000 your deductions may be going down. So even though the tax rates are going down, your taxes may be going up. So getting an idea, an estimate, and working with your wealth manager or with your accountant now instead of the end of the year is a, you know, is a great way of eliminating some surprises at the end of the year. So that's really more on the, on the deductions. You know, some of the planning things that you can, you can do. So based upon the itemized deductions, if you are below the $24,000 family limit and you are charitably inclined, so it, let's just say your itemized, your standard deductions are well above what your itemized deductions are going to be, giving to a charity, which is great but has always been tax deductible, may not be tax deductible for you anymore because you may not get to the $24,000. So one of the strategies that you may want to look to is kind of grouping these deductions together. And maybe you are planning on doing some in the beginning of next year and maybe better off doing that all in this year. Or you were thinking about doing some deductions at the end of this year. Maybe you're better off grouping it, you know, following year. Of course, you know, the, the tax deduction shouldn't be the only reason to give to charity. But it's one thing you should be aware of. Uh, one of the, the vehicles that have become very popular now is what's called a donor advised fund. And this fund, you can actually make a charitable contribution, let's say for an example, $10,000. You get a, that will be going to your itemized deductions, but you don't have to distribute to the charity all at once. You can distribute to the charity over a few years. So if you happen to make $2,500 of deductions a year, you can still do that, but you may want to consider a donor advised fund and funding four years of $2,500 all in one year to get your tax deduction. Again, something you should discuss with your accountant and um, your, wealth, your wealth manager to see if that's something that should, should, you should do and take advantage of this year. Another strategy has been, you know, the backdoor Roth. And we've talked about the backdoor Roth in a previous podcast. And a lot of people, well, just to backtrack a little bit, well, what is a backdoor, backdoor Roth? So for those that are not able to contribute to a Roth because of income limits, you're able to contribute to a non-deductible IRA up to 55, you know, 5,500, 6,500, depending upon your marital status. And then you were had to wait a certain amount of time and then move that non-deductible IRA into a Roth. And there's always been some word out there that this kind of wasn't legal. Well, the new tax law buried in there is a footnote. And there are some experts that are saying this is kind of giving the legal blessing to the backdoor Roth. Still not sure. But but the backdoor Roth is one things we've been using. So it's another item you should take advantage of. I want you to be careful. You know, if you have an IRA, this may not be a strategy that works for you. But again, looking into the backdoor Roth and see if something that works for you is a great kind of mid-year, you know, check for that. Also, 
going back to your tax brackets, if you're going to be in a low tax bracket this year, for whatever reason, you retired or you're in a sales position and this year you're not making as much money or, you know, if you've been out of work for part of the year and you're going to be in a low tax bracket, you may want to consider doing a Roth conversion. This is where you move some money from your IRA into a Roth. You do pay taxes on it now, but then the future buildup grows tax deferred and you're after five years, you can take this out tax free. So one of the things that have, has gone away in the new tax law is what's called the recharacterization. You, you used to be able to do a Roth conversion and then if you didn't like it after, after it was done the following year, you could undo it. You're no longer going to be able to do that. So you might, you might want to wait towards the end of the year, but it's still a good time to kind of look and see where you are and kind of plan for this between now and the end of the year. So if you're in a low tax bracket and you do have some income coming in towards the end of the year, you may want to defer that income into 2019, keep yourself in a lower tax bracket and do a Roth, Roth conversion. And finally, you know, under taxes is what we call tax loss harvesting. So if you happen to have done some investing and some of those investments are down, if you invested in emerging markets maybe this year and you're down, now's a good time to do what we call tax loss harvesting, where you sell one of those funds that are down, put it into a similar fund book the tax loss, and then 30 days you can go back into your original investment. reason why you have to wait 30 days is there's a wash sale rule that states if you didn't, you wouldn't be able to deduct the losses. So it's great to look through your investments and see if there is a particular stock. We always go, we have clients that, you know, do kind of play around with the stock market and and sometimes they they do take a beating and they don't want to sell. But this is a great opportunity to go in and take this loss that you can offset against future against current gains. So those are some of the tax items that you should be looking at during your your mid-year checklist. Larry, Larry, we've only covered two out of your five from your list, and you've gotten some fantastic strategies there. What's your third item? So the third one is the is your investments and. What happens is, especially a lot of people in their 401k, they come up with a asset allocation and they kind of don't you know, look at this. And you should be looking at your asset allocation. And especially as you get ho- older and maybe going to need the money or if you're deciding to buy a house in a few years or if you're going to need it for, uh, for education, you know, we're nine years into a great bull market here. So the, you know, who knows where we go from here. So looking at your allocation and seeing how much do you have in the stocks, how much you have in bonds, how much you have in cash. I find it interesting that, you know, after nine years now, you know, people have already forgotten 2008 and they're looking at their equity returns and saying, I want higher equity returns or they've seen some of the large gains and some of the Bang stocks out there, the Apples, the Netflix, and they're saying, I'm putting more money in there and, and putting more of their allocation in there. And they've forgotten about, okay, what could happen when we do have a correction? So it's just a good time to look at your 
your asset allocation, see how much you need coming up, see how much you, you need in equities and rebalancing and looking at the different areas, not just getting rid of one area, but just rebalancing so you're not overweighted into one particular one particular strategy. And another thing on the investments is interest rates have crept up a little bit. So, you know, where before banks and everyone was paying 0.01, now they're coming up a little bit. So if you do have a large amount of money that's sitting in cash, that you may want to kind of look at some of the money market rates, some of the online banks. You want to be careful to make sure the FDIC insured, but looking at some of the rates and seeing the different returns where you can get a little bit of a higher rate and earn a little bit more money. So those are some of the investment mid-year checklist items that I would look at. All right. That makes a lot of sense. Now that's three. What's next? Okay. So one area that most people don't focus in on or want to focus in on, they kind of do it once and they forget about it. And, and that's kind of their distribution strategy and some of their key legal documents, you know, especially if you're, you know, if you're older. And you know, during the summer when you may be a little bit slower, it's a great time to pull out those wills and the power of attorneys and their healthcare proxies and to read them and or work with a wealth manager or attorney to kind of review them at this time. Are the executors the, you know, the, the same? We, we recently had a client where we, new client, where we actually reviewed their wills. They hadn't reviewed them in 18 years and it was before kids and now they're worth a few million dollars. And believe it or not, the secondary beneficiaries were not the kids. So it's, it is critical. That's an unusual situation. But there are times where the executors have gotten older or the guardians have gotten older and need to be changed. Or there's a child that you may be concerned that they would get too much money all at once. So... We say every three to five years, you kind of you should pull out the documents and, and look at those. So now now is a you know during the summer is a good time to kind of look at that and re- review that. And one one item which we always see people getting tripped up on is their beneficiaries. That they have these wills and they have the wills determine where the money goes. But they don't understand that a qualified account, a 401k plan, an IRA, that is not governed by a will. And for a lot of people, those are a substantial amount of their their assets. So who the beneficiary is in their qualified accounts is very important. And again, that should be reviewed to make sure that they're not there. We've seen ex-spouses as beneficiaries on their IRAs. Even though they're changing the wills, they forgot to go in and change the beneficiary in their IRAs. And there's a lot of stories out there that you can read where this has happened before. So again, looking and reviewing all these documents during the summertime is a great mid-year checkup. And Larry, you mentioned uh, somebody should do this every three to five years. Is that correct? Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's, you know, it depends upon how complicated they are and where your net worth, where your net worth is. But that's kind of where we, you know, where we do that. I mean, it doesn't hurt to review it every year and take Mm -hmm. an hour or so and to to review those. We do that. 
but usually three to five years, you know, is a good time to to review them. And, and a major life event, it sounds like as well. So I, I, have, I have one question. What age would you recommend to your clients or, or people who are listening? What age should they start this process with, with wills and, and all of that? Well, the, well, this, well, one thing is anytime you have a child, you need to get a will. So in my career, I've seen this happen once where both parents passed away. And the grand, there were no wills, and the grandparents were battling over custody of the children. And it's sad enough that both parents have passed away, but now having to see the grandchildren being pulled from their grandparents over custody is just was just heartbreaking. So anytime you have a child, you need to have you need to have a will. If you have substantial assets, so it depends upon you know some of the assets and how they're broken up. So, you know, it doesn't, there's not a specific age that you need a will. If you have no kids and you're just leaving everything to your, your sp- spouse and it's not a lot, it's not critical because you can do it in, in joint, but you want to leave it to somebody else, the next, uh, you know, the next of kin somewhere down the road. So I would say that one, when you have a child and two, if you don't have a child, when you start to have some substantial assets, the other thing is, you know, if you're older, you want to have other documents such as power of attorneys and healthcare proxies. So if you get sick, so as soon as you kind of get out there, it would be a great time to start looking at you know, putting these documents in place. That makes perfect sense. And that actually takes us really a good transition right into number five, which is insurance. Yeah. Another one of those topics that everyone loves talking about, you know, is paying for insurance. Hopefully it's something that you don't need, but everybody needs to to have that. So I've kind of broken down insurance into four different areas. I'll kind of quickly go through them. You know, the first one is I'm kind of grouping on the home auto umbrella. So the the homeowners and policy is you should be kind of reviewing this because as things change and as you get, you know, as you live in a house and the house ages and maybe appreciates in value, some of the coverages that you have may not be sufficient anymore. If the house would have burned down, do you have the right policy to rebuild that house in today's dollars, whereby you might have have the same limits that you put into the policy years ago and just keep paying the the increase in, in, in premium? So, so the, the homeowner's insurance and is, a, is a great thing to kind of go through with either a wealth manager or with your insurance person to look at the limits in there. It's not just the premiums. Everyone wants to pay the cheapest of premiums. But when you're looking at the benefits, especially a home and making sure the coverages are there, if you had were to have a hurricane or if you would have had a flood and just going, you know, going through that. Also, you know, an umbrella policy, you know, what an umbrella policy is liability that's on top of your homeowners and your auto insurance. So if your liability in your home and auto insurance is capped at a half a million dollars, and now you're worth five to $10 million, if something, somebody were to fall on your property or you would get into an accident, you're now on the hook for anything above five hundred thousand dollars. 
So you should have a liability policy, which we call an umbrella, on top of that. And you want to look and see what the the amount is. The cost of the umbrella is a very minimal, and it gives you a, 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 a peace of mind. So that should be, you know, should be reviewed. The next insurance is kind of your life insurance review. Again, not just what you're paying in premiums, but what the coverage is. Do you have enough coverage? Have you, is your life changed where you need additional coverage? Or maybe you don't need as much coverage anymore. So a great time to sit down and review the coverages, the premiums, the same thing with some of the other policies, such as uh, disability insurance, if you're younger, making sure that you have that covered. You know, we know somebody, unfortunately, that dove into an ocean and, you know, hit kind of a sandbar and was, you know, and was paralyzed. Luckily, his daughter was able to help him out there. And, you know, he said to me, you know what, I, I had disability insurance and Larry, I wish I had more. So if these things do, you know, these things do happen. And finally, you know, long-term care insurance. Now, there are, you know, I'm not going to get into long-term care. We can have a whole podcast just on that, whether you need it, depending upon where you are. But as you age and people are needing, you know, more expensive care later on in life, should you get a long-term care policy? When should you get a policy? So all these insurance reviews, although not the greatest topics that everyone wants to talk about, mid-year checkup is a great time to, to look at all your insurance contracts. Great. All right, Larry, to, to sum everything up, can you go over those five for us one more time to remind us what those five areas are that we really need to be checking mid-year? Yeah. So the five, the five areas are retirement planning and savings, taxes, how to minimize it and how to take advantage of some of the new tax laws investments, looking at your current investments and making some adjustments, legal documents and just distribution to your heirs, reviewing all the documents, or if you don't have them, getting ones put into place. And finally, your insurance review, all the different types of insurance, reviewing them and updating them. That's fantastic. Thank you so much, Larry, for your time today. Do you have any other closing thoughts for us? No, just, you know, while you're enjoying the summer and you're, you know, maybe you're out by the, the beach there, you can pull out your insurance contract and pull out some of these items I, I did and kind of take a, take a look at them. So, uh, so that's the, the only time. Don't wait until the end of the year. Do it during the mid-year checkup. Fantastic. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast uh, with Larry Heller, Personal Finance Mid-Year Checklist, the five must areas to include. If you have not subscribed to Larry's podcast, please do so below. Because every time Larry comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. It also makes it even easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Thank you so much for listening today. For everyone at Heller Wealth Management, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. We'll see you next time.